0: from depression to diabetes to obesity and addictions. Our medical problems are climbing and are now at epidemic rates. This is why I started this podcast, Your Health Transformed, to educate you, to teach you so we can all learn how to combat these increasing medical problems and live well again and become transformed. I am your host, Dr. Franchelle Hamilton, bariatric surgeon, and have seen these medical problems and treated them firsthand. I am now on a journey to help transform health, not just band-aid it. So thank you for listening and going on this journey with me and all of my guests on Your Health Transformed. I am really excited for our guest today because she I've heard her a lot on Clubhouse which I recently joined a couple months ago and she has so much knowledge on integrative medicine and how to treat medical problems a little bit differently than what traditional western medicine. I really was in awe of her because she's a MD trained doctor in internal medicine just like I am and but yet practices a little bit differently. So I wanted her to also come on the show today just to, again, continue to educate everyone, the audience, on different ways of treating chronic medical problems and just a different perspective on things. So Dr. Esme, welcome to the show. It's my honor to have you here today.
1: Thank you so much. It's my pleasure to be here with you, Dr. Hamilton. I'm uh, very excited to talk about this topic
0: and it's something I just love to talk about. So thank you for having me. Well, that's great. So the first question I have for you, and this is kind of what I ask all of my MDs, so to speak, because I know how we were trained and you were actually trained in my neck of the woods, Dallas, UT Southwestern. So I know how this training is. So what made you and when did you kind of make this shift? So you were MD internal medicine trained and then did your residency at Parkland, which is kind of the county hospital here. So what made you make this shift? Well, you know,
1: my family, I mean, we've been physicians literally for thousands of years. My dad's family um, are Iranian Jewish, and they were actually physicians to the court for thousands of years. And so, you know, back then there were no drug companies. I mean, these guys practiced herbally, and yet they were, you know, very, very successful. I mean, there were these Jewish physicians surviving in the Persian Empire, and before that, you know, in Babylon. I mean, with... yeah. That they practice. And so, you know, I knew that there was something to what they did. In the back of my mind, I always believed that. But of course, that's not how we're trained at UT Southwestern at all. So that's not how I really thought of the way that I would practice. But then my youngest child is on the autism spectrum. And there was really nothing that he was offered in our type of medicine that could yep. really help. Him. But what really did help him was diet supplements. Um, you know, hyperbaric oxygen, actually. So, a lot of things that oh, are outside wow. of what we normally think of as, you know, our type of medicine, although lifestyle should really be first with anything, but nobody offered us lifestyle or dietary change. And that was really the thing that made the very biggest difference for him. And now he's, you know, in college and doing amazing. So, oh. it, it taught me the power of lifestyle medicine to change someone's life. And I read about sort of, practices in Europe where like this would be the first thing that they would have offered a kid like mine who was on the spectrum and really struggling with so many things and had like allergies and I mean everything was just put into a little box like we went to the allergist we went to the developmental pediatrician and nobody was really looking at the whole picture for him which is really what it took so um, you know, he really did get better. And then I was, then I went on the diet that he was on with him, which is the defeat autism now diet, which takes you off gluten, dairy, sugar, artificial color, and flavor. And I noticed that I just felt way better. Um, and I was like, Oh, there's something to that. And I I actually am pre-diabetic and I've always struggled with my weight. And that sort of made things a little bit better for me, not all the way better, but I was like, wow, this is really helpful. And I started looking into, more holistic ways of losing weight because I'd always struggled with it. And of course we always just help patients like eat less, exercise more. Well, yeah, exactly. That doesn't work. I mean, there's so many people who do all the right things and they still can't down and then, you know, they kind of get blamed for, you know, people just think they're a couch potato or something. Yes, That's kind of what was going on with me. I mean, I did all the right things and yet I weighed 235 pounds, pretty much eating brown rice, vegetables, some organic things that people will consider, you know, good for you. Yeah. Um, And then I, when I went off the cheese with his diet, actually it helped a little bit. Nobody had told me to do that, you know, don't eat that. And then um, I basically uh, lost some weight there. And then for the first time, I actually took a supplement that helped with insulin resistance. A friend of mine, uh, Dr. Mylon Moore, who's an orthopedic surgeon was starting a holistic kind of weight loss program for his patients because you know for every pound that you lose off your knees it's really 4 pounds. Yeah. Off. And so yep. he figured out that if he could get his patients to lose weight prior to surgery they would do a lot better with surgery. So he was actually investigating holistic ways of doing things cuz he had a masters in public health and so he started this program for you know weight management which for the first time someone told me like, don't just cut your calories, eat low glycemic. Don't worry about your calories, you know, eat to just keep your blood sugar stable. And so um, with that, and he he actually had some supplements that helped lower insulin resistance. Um, it was the first time that I really didn't struggle with losing a lot of weight. So I went at that time from 235 to 150 pounds on his program. Oh
0: my gosh.
1: And so, you know, it was like a big, big, you know, victory, but um, what, then happened was, of course, I hit perimenopause, and I started working nights at a hospital. So I messed up my hormone balance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I gained all the way back to 195. I never hit 200 again, but I was, you know, right there. And that's yeah. sort of then my functional medicine training became a lot stronger. And I was like, Oh, you know, I really need to balance my hormones. I learned about nutrigenomics. And I started applying all of this knowledge to myself. So I did my genetics and found out that I had two SNPs that really keep you from losing weight if you don't treat them properly. So the MTHFR strip, which uh, SNP or methyl tetrahydrofolate uh, reductase is an enzyme that actually helps you deal with B vitamins in your cell. And if you have a mutation in that particular uh, gene, um, then you can really have a hard time losing weight because you're not going to really put B vitamins into the proper pathways in your cells. And then the other one was called COMT, which is a SNP that, that basically a, or an enzyme that breaks down fight or flight hormones. So I also had a version of this gene that wasn't working well. And so of course your fight or flight hormones stay really high and you're always like kind of hypervigilant anxious and you do like stress eating So I really had to get all of that under control. And there were like natural ways of doing that by taking, you know, the right B vitamins and a supplement called SAM E for the COMT. That really helped. And then I kind of took a look at my hormones and a functional look at my thyroid, not just, you know, the TSH, but a very full panel and figured out that I had autoimmune thyroid disease. And so you know, treating those things actually really made it very simple to get to the weight that I wanted. Um, I've never wanted to be like a super, super skinny person. So no. I didn't want to be a size four, but now I'm down to a size six, eight, depending on what I'm wearing. And that's very different for me because I spent most of my life in a size 12
0: or 14. You know, <laughs> oh so my gosh. No, I think that's amazing. So let uh-huh. me just kind of rehash. So first of all, just find snip, like uh-huh. for the audience. Uh, yes, you know, little gene. So Go ahead. SNPs
1: are single nucleotide polymorphisms, which is almost even worse. But SNP is kind of the right way of thinking about it. But they're basically one base pair in your DNA. So your genetic code has these things called base pairs. And they're basically like these letters A, C, T, and G. And they stand for these base pairs that code for what's going to happen when you make a protein. And so when yeah. you have a change in one of these codes in your DNA, it actually changes like the entire protein that's being made. And enzymes which run the pathways in our cells are actually proteins. So when you have a change in this, it can really change the way things happen in your cell for you. And so for instance, B vitamins, which you really need for metabolism, you have to take them through a certain pathway in your cells before they work. And if you can't do that, then you're basically sitting there with just B vitamins in clogging pathways in your cells instead of moving along and doing things like, you know, helping you make antioxidants, helping you detoxify, helping you make the neurotransmitter dopamine. So all of these things can be affected by having this particular change in your DNA or or genetic code.
0: And the nice thing today is we can test for that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that was not made available um, even years ago, like even like years ago. And so from your standpoint, because I don't do that in my practice, when I was doing that, it was not covered by insurance. Is it typically covered or is it typically not covered still? so
1: You can do a very basic test that's covered by most insurances and I'll test for some very major things. I'll test for the MTHFR. I'll test for that COMT that I was talking about. I'll test for the serotonin gene, which uh, has to do with like moods and, Mm -hmm. you know, and it can also affect stress eating. I'll test for ApoE, which is a cholesterol transport protein. And I'll test for what's called pharmacogenetics. So if you have certain medical conditions, like you're on medications that are being managed, or you have anxiety or depression, that particular very like low-level test can get covered by some insurances, most of them. Okay. But um, but for a lot of people, if they don't have those diagnoses, like for instance, for weight, it's not really covered. But yeah. if you get a much more complete test that looks at everything, including what you shouldn't shouldn't eat, would you benefit from intermittent fasting or not, based on your genetics and all of that? Are you likely to be insulin resistant, which actually was another one of my problems? I actually had to design a whole supplement to deal with insulin and leptin resistance, which happens to all of us at menopause. So are you going to have the genes for being insulin and leptin resistant? All of that information, actually, you can get for a little under $700. It's like $660 or something. And it tests for, instead of those very basic genes that I talked about, it'll test for something like 60 different genes
0: yeah. and
1: you really complete information for weight loss. And the thing about your genes is your genes don't change. So while you're yeah. investing $700, I mean, compared to most labs that you get, if you've got a complete Lab work at one of the national labs like Quest or, mm-hmm. uh, or if I mean, it's four, yeah, those are labs that change. So, you know, your your genes don't change. So, for most people, I mean, I know it's a little bit of a hill to climb, but compared to what you're going to spend in your lifetime, you know, or uh, on diets and whatnot, that test can be pretty helpful. Um, I know there's practitioners that charge a lot more for that test. I just do it as part of what I do. I mean, it's included in the you know, I do all, all the tests and I actually have deals with labs to kind of make them a little bit more palatable, but yeah. I do all the tests as part of my program kind of up front. I do the hormone testing, the genetic testing, um, the cardiometabolic testing that checks for like insulin resistance and all that. Yeah.
0: And I cholesterol and cardiovascular risk.
1: All of that. Yeah. Yeah. So I look at all that before I put someone on a certain program, because I feel like people, you know, they go on these one size fits all programs yeah. that are, going to help them because they're not really designed for them. Whereas what I do is really designed for the person. I also look at like their food sensitivities and their gut microbiome. So I'm taking a holistic look at all the factors that could be kind of getting in the way of losing weight. Because my theory is if you set the right conditions, anyone can be at the body composition that they want. They're not going to struggle Because no one's really meant to have the wrong body composition. We're all meant to have the right body composition. But the circumstances or what's happened to our body or the fact that we're eating wrong for the person that we are, that's what's kind of putting us, you know, at a higher weight. And so, like, I've never counted a calorie. I've never, you know, sat there and obsessed over my food because I've fixed the things that made me gain weight. And I do eat a certain way that's anti-inflammatory because I feel so much better. Yeah, yeah. But it it's not like I'm sitting here going like, oh, I can't eat, you know, this much food because I'm gonna gain weight. I,
0: I don't do that. I eat to where I'm not hungry. So Yeah, perfect. And I really love that you do that. Um, that's the approach that I took oftentimes when I was doing my bariatric surgery practice because I was finding out, which very early on, just handing them a surgery, almost like your orthopedic surgeon friend. Mm-hmm. Um and then trying to kind of combat this stuff after the fact is almost pointless. Like patients did a lot better when you recognized all of these things up front, you started treating them, and then you know, and some of them like you've experienced probably since you're in this field, didn't even need a surgery. And so I really thought it was important to kind of talk to you. On mm-hmm. my end, when I was doing it, was unfortunately a lot of it was not covered by insurance, which was really unfortunate. Um, because it was so helpful and it was so much information and it was almost like an eye opener for me. Like I'm just blindly treating patients otherwise, unless I have like their roadmap and uh, you're almost just guessing. Like as a physician, you're just like, okay, well, let's try this meds. Let's try lipitor. Oh, wait. You have a statin, in t- you know, I- on those pharmacogenetics that you were talking about. I had people that were put on by their cardiologists like Plavix or whatever, and they were not sensitive to Plavix. So then they kept throwing clots and you know what I'm saying? And it's almost like without these roadmaps, maps for physicians, we're just almost like blindly treating. And so that was became so frustrating for me. And so when you get these roadmaps, would you say you predominantly treat with pharmaceutical prescription medications or are you able to treat mostly with supplementation, lifestyle type of changes? So I would say,
1: you know, 90% of things I treat with lifestyle or supplements. And really it's more like looking at what's appropriate for you. Like if you're sensitive to a lot of foods or if you have, you know, uh, dysbiosis in your gut. I mean, those are things that we treat kind of temporarily with supplements, not forever. But there's certain things that you kind of have to supplement because they're a genetic thing that's not going to change. Like if you have an MTHFR mutation, you're going to be on the right kind of B vitamins for you because your body's not making them. That's going to be forever. Um, but, you know, for the most part I try to do like as much as I can with lifestyle, then I go to supplements. If it's something that lifestyle can't help, like you have a genetic problem, that's not going to get better with lifestyle. Yeah. And then, um, yeah. you know, and then meds are kind of my last resort. I mean, if somebody comes to my office with a blood pressure of 200 over 120, am I going to put them on a medicine? Yes. But am I going to try to figure out yeah. why they're hypertensive and try to, you know, get them on the right lifestyle? And, you know, if they're low on magnesium, treat that and all that. Yes, of course, I'm going to do all that. I'm going to look for, you know, do they yeah. have, you know, Cushing syndrome or some other reason that their blood pressure is so high. Cool. So, um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm, you know, and with the... Weight management piece, the one drug that I end up using a lot of times is thyroid medication because, um, you know, the person does have thyroid disease that's not been diagnosed. For instance, they have Hashimoto's thyroid and their thyroid is kind of working, you know, up and down, but they're told, oh, your TSH is normal, so therefore your thyroid is just fine. And, you know, it's really not when you look at their other markers, they're, they're having issues and have like every single, you know, specific symptom for hypothyroidism, like, right. Constipation and all that, so yeah, that does end up being an issue, especially because I treat a lot of women who are at middle age, and that's when Hashimoto's thyroiditis is most prevalent. You know, kind of in the period. And up. so,
0: do you treat that with like a synthroid or levothyroxin, or do you also treat that with a supplement? I also do the same thing. If they mm-hmm. have symptoms, I just you know, I mean, you know treat the hair loss, weight gain. You know, yeah. all like constipate, like all these do 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 all the check boxes, um, exactly. and so you just you you treat them. But how do you treat, for example, thyroid like that? So
1: I have a very individualized approach. Um, okay. You know, a lot of my patients, I actually use natural thyroid. That's been sort of a little bit harder in the past few years. There's been a lot of like issues with si- yeah, ins- taking Beals it off them.
0: the market. Yep.
1: Yeah like NP thyroid or nature throid, just because they contain both T3 and T4 and kind of an affordable um, mix. But the problem is that the T3 and T4 in those mixes is you can't change it. I mean, it's whatever occurs in nature. And, you know, some people don't want to be on an animal product. So in that case, I basically do treat T3 and T4 both. I might use Synthroid or Tyrosynth, which is kind of a levothyroxine with no additives in it. It's a little hard to get covered by insurance, but it doesn't have the saccharin and the other things that are in the, you know, the pill type medications for thyroid. And then I will use T3 if the person is also low on T3 or has trouble converting T3. Um, I'll use that in a compounded form. On occasion, I'll use prescription lyothyronine, but that uh, pill releases very quickly, so for those of us over forty, it can cause a lot of palpitations and whatnot. And so I'm mm-hmm. kind of careful with regular T3, because when you get it compounded, you can get it to release over 24 hours, and it's yeah. a lot to tolerate for, you know, those of us who are over 40 and might have a more sensitive cardiac system. So
0: yeah, yeah, this is why you're a genius. Like I, I love it, and I love what you do. Um, and kind of all the individualized care. So th- I have another quick question and then I'm going to do almost like a little pseudo quiz for the, the audience. But uh, I often talk about um, what I call like four pi- pillars, like different areas of lifestyle that's affecting their health. And I want to know if you have noticed that you gave an example of somebody who comes with super high blood pressure because I talk about this all the time. And so mm-hmm. I've separated the root causes of medical problems in kind of different categories. One could be medical, which is what you were saying. I need to rule out Cushing's. I need to rule out like a pheos, I had to Chroma, like, you know what I'm saying? Like adrenal problems, right? So that's the medical pillar. And then I also look at, and you can tell me what you do too, like environment. Like uh-huh. I think environment, SDOH, social determinants of health, like all of this stuff, I think personally plays a huge role on people's health. Um, I also look at, um, like their, like mental health and mental states that also can play a role. Like if you're always stressed out, you can have high blood pressure. What do you find in that? Cause I know you do kind of this panel, but do you also see that there's, it's so complex, right? That's why physicians can't just, oh, I have blood pressure and here's your pill. There's like so many other aspects to, to look into. Are you finding that with your patients also?
1: Yes, that's very true. Um, And especially, you know, things that, I mean, a lot of people don't understand that our mental state can really affect, like, the hormone balance in our body. For instance, if you're under stress and you're making the hormone cortisol, which is a hormone that, you know, we're designed to make under stress, well, when we first started to make this hormone, most of us were you know basically hunter gatherers on the savannah, and we were running away from lions i mean that's evolution- you know kind of evolutionarily where that hormone came from is when you mm-hmm. know all of us as people were you know not living in cities, not you know living this chronic kind of lifestyle that we do, but we were basically you know either you were chased by a predator and either you were over or your stress was over because you got away <laughs> somehow and climbed a tree or something yeah. Where the hormone cortisol originated well nowadays of course all of us have chronic stress none of us are running away from lions on savannah anymore and so um, you have these chronic elevations in the hormone cortisol well what that does is cortisol actually increases your blood sugar increases your blood pressure because it's trying to get you know blood uh, to your muscles and sugar to your muscles so you can move and run And it also uh, has a phenomenon when it's long-term called cortisol steal, where it starts stealing the hormones you need, for instance, for your muscle tone, like testosterone. Um, And so, you know, it's really affecting things. Well, the thing that really helps cortisol the most when it's this chronic stress type cortisol is actually mind-body wellness techniques. You know, there's a technique called tapping where you basically use acupressure and you use... um, you know, this sort of positive thought to get the cortisol levels down. And I actually have a video on this on my Instagram page. If anyone's really interested, it's doctor spelled out dot Emmy. And I have a little video on this emotional freedom technique or tapping, but this really helps Mm -hmm. getting cortisol down and it's clinically proven to do so. And, um, basically, you know, I've, um, had, um, you know, a few patients where like doing this 10 to 15 minutes a day has really been revolutionary for their health, because that was really their underlying problem. And yeah, so definitely. in my practice, I really do address mind body medicine. And when it comes to management, um, I mean, a lot of times i all bird dog those issues, but I actually have people work with a wellness coach. And the wellness coach I work with um is trained in functional medicine but and nutrition, but she also has a background in social work. So she's actually looking at all those things that you we were talking about, the social determinants why people are maybe tripping themselves up when it comes to uh, getting their ideal potty composition. I mean, I've had people that were so traumatized, you know, in their youth that they associate being thin with like people harassing them or having really traumatic things happen to them. So, they may like lose all the weight that they need to. And then all of a sudden they gain it all back because psychologically that takes them to the place when they were younger and all these things happen to them. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, the weight is actually like this protective layer that they've made for themselves. Yeah. And, um, and yeah. so it's really important to look at those factors too, because like you were saying, I mean, we can look at all the physical factors and that's kind of my, my, my specialty really, but I do work with a wellness coach, um, when it comes to weight management, that actually her specialty is looking at all of these other things. So, yeah, Uh,
0: no, I think that's great. I think that's great. So I just have a quick, a couple questions, um, that I wanted to ask you. And so essentially I'm going to ask you for the most common chronic medical problems. And then what would be in your opinion, the best supplement or treatment? So you've actually already answered one because, I was going to ask about stress, like chronic stress. So you've already answered that one and you guys can find, um, that information on her Instagram page and we'll also put some stuff in the show notes for you guys. Uh, so the other one is going to be, what is the best supplement for hypertension? Hypertension. I mean, depending on the cause
1: of it, you're going to have a different supplement that will work, you know, for it. But some of the ones that have a lot of good data um, are um, magnesium actually has a lot of good data. The only places you have to be careful of magnesium are people who have chronic kidney disease can't take too much magnesium. And people that have neuromuscular issues like myasthenia gravis, sometimes if you give them too much magnesium, their muscles can become limper. So you have to be careful about those people and magnesium. Nearly everyone else can take it. The magnesium that I really like to use is called magnesium 3 and um, and that's the one that I normally prescribe to patients that have hypertension. Carry in my line for that particular thing. I mean, I'm not treating hypertension as such with a supplement. I'm normalizing, you know, the conditions for blood pressure, yeah. um, but you know, it does help with vascular tone and all of that. The other supplement I use sometimes is um, a combination of things that help the mitochondria, the little energy packets in the cell, because that's been shown to actually have a lot to do with the function of the epithelium or the lining of the blood vessels. And a lot of people that have hypertension have problems, you know, making uh, nitric oxide, which is something that helps uh, yeah. dilate the vessels. And the reason they have issues with this you know, this underlying thing in their cells, which is their energy packets or mitochondria. And it, that's one reason that it happens like as you age and have some mitochondrial damage in some people. So I use a co- supplement that's a combination of coenzyme Q10, um, alpha lipoic acid, which are two antioxidants for the energy packets for the mitochondria, coupled with acetyl-L-carnitine, which is the transport protein for that. And then phosphatidylserine, which is not only the covering of the mitochondria, And really helps with what we call the electron transport chain and all that energy that needs to happen in cells. But also it actually really helps the adrenal glands and helps with, um, you know, making the hormone DHEA, which shuts off cortisol. So it's kind of a supplement that does two things it works with the adrenals and it works with the energy packets. So I use that quite a lot. And then I also use um, pycnogenol or pine bark extract because that's been shown to really with, um, you know, nitric oxide production and really has, um, some great effects on lowering blood pressure and, and higher doses. So those are some of the ones, I mean, you know, for normalizing blood pressure, I should say, so I'm not going to treat hypertension, but I'm setting the right conditions for good blood pressure, um, in people using these. Yeah. So those are some of the things that I would do to try to keep vascular health healthy, because I don't know if I mean, Dr. Oz talks about how uncontrolled hypertension is actually the number one reason people have heart attacks. People think of it as cholesterol being the reason, but it's really uncontrolled hypertension, you know. So it is really yeah. something that you want yeah. to get under control and look at the reasons for sure and have the right, you know, combination of things to keep it under really good control. But, you know, having the correct and body then- really helps that, too, for a lot of people.
0: I mean, a lot. Yeah, of different- correct, right? Because, like what you talked about, there could be some genetic components that put you at higher risk that you would also need to be aware of or know about. Right. Um, yeah. And then the last question that I have, which is a common symptom, like what would you recommend supplemental for, or or not supplemental for chronic pain, like musculoskeletal or joint pain? What would you recommend for that?
1: So I I have like my own little regimen. It kind of depends on what's causing it. Like, is it more muscular or is it more joints? But some of the things that I use um, quite a lot. Now, some of these you definitely want to do under the supervision of a physician if you're on different medications. But um, curcumin is something that I use quite a lot as an anti-inflammatory. You can use under the supervision of a physician doses up to six grams a day have been studied. Although that's not something you want to take long-term because it can start to thin your blood at that dose long-term. But for short-term, I'll I'll use that. And I actually use a curcumin that's basically mycelized in its own oil because curcumin can be difficult to absorb from the gut. Uh, Curcumin is the anti-inflammatory extract of turmeric. And people are like, oh, can I just take turmeric? And it's like, well, you'd have to do four or five pounds of it in oil to kind of get to the same place. But that extract really does, that herbal extract, Really helps a lot with inflammation. It's, it is a COX-2 inhibitor. So COX-2, that enzyme or that receptor has a lot to do with, you know, inflammation in the body and blocking that really reduces inflammation. So curcumin is a very specific inhibitor of the COX-2 receptor. And, and so that's one that I use. Another one that I use a lot is Boswellia or frankincense, because that actually helps the lipooxygenase, which is another pathway of inflammation in the body. So curcumin's going down the the you know cox pathway and this one's looking at the lipooxygenase pathway um fish oil actually helps reduce inflammation if you do the right kind you have to be really careful because there's a lot of bad out there in fish oil it's actually the easiest supplement to get wrong so please work with somebody who knows what they're doing yeah. before you take fish oil so that they're giving you something that's third-party tested and doesn't contain mercury and pcbs and has the right you know yeah
0: exactly and not omega-3 are you like omega and fish oil you're saying is too yeah they are the same yeah i mean fish oils contain
1: omega-3s
0: but yeah you want to go
1: with with something that's a preparation that's kind of you know uh more pure and like third-party tested and all of that and then um i also use cannabinoids for hemp quite a lot for pain and inflammation Um, That does not contain THC or anything mind altering, although cannabinoids can have a relaxing effect, but they really do help joint and muscle pain quite a lot. And so it is something that I use in my practice in lieu of using, you know, medications that can actually, I mean, a lot of people don't know that these over-the-counter medicines that you take for joint pain, like ibuprofen and whatnot, can really increase blood pressure. Um, And the nice thing about these supplements is that they don't, but you do have to be careful if you're on other medicines to make sure they don't interact with them and, you know, if you're on blood thinners, you don't want to be taking big doses of like curcumin and omega threes because they can also thin your blood. And so you definitely want to do this, you know, under the direction of a doctor that really understands medications and supplements and their interactions, um, you know, and not something you'd want to like kind of shoot from the hip and do, but they are, re- there are really effective natural ways of, of handling pain. So for sure.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much for all this knowledge that you gave us and kind of reinforcing that there's another way. And I really think it's really neat that you've had such a long history of physicians and such all this knowledge that kind of got poured into you. So thank you very much for being on the show today. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Thanks, Dr. Hamilton. I hope this message continued to empower you and inspire you to continue on your health transformation journey. Thank you for listening and please subscribe or download if you like what you're hearing. The goal is to continue to inform you and educate you as you transform on your healthcare journey and show you different paths to take in order to get you to your goal. Until next time, thank you.